welcome to my YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't already. So in today's video, I'm going to be talking about some of my favorite apps. I always complain how short my torso is, which is so, so annoying. So you can literally extend and it will only do it to a certain limit. But look, it's just like a little mm, extra, extra. You can even make your legs longer as well. It doesn't distort all the background. It kind of like takes the whole background and just like, you know, brings it along. So Out of yeah. all the products I've tried in my beauty routines over the years, I never thought I'd be reaching for Instagram, Snapchat, or Facetune when I needed a little glow in my cheeks, but here we are. Are filters the new digital makeup? Are they a substitute for plastic surgery? Do they help us present our best selves to the world, or are we becoming enslaved to yet another unattainable beauty standard? This week, I am talking about Photoshop culture and how it's impacting social and behavioral norms around the world. We're definitely going to get into how the puppy dog filter on Snapchat ended up with people slut-shaming women. Stay tuned. Welcome to The Digital Deep, the podcast devoted to exploring the uncharted web. I'm your host, Rahaf Harfouche, and this is episode three. All right, let's dive in. Human beings have been using makeup for the last 6,000 years. Wikipedia told me that there's evidence of cosmetic rituals in almost every society in the world, from Romans who used mulberries to dye their lips to ancient Egyptians who pioneered the coal eyeliner. Here's a fun fact, at one point, the ancient Greeks favored unibrows and used to make fake ones made out of oxen hair. My point is that our desire to make ourselves more attractive has been around since the beginning of time. But while the beauty industry has presented us with no shortage of products promising everything from eternal youth to glowing skin, technology has been an unexpected entrant into the space that's pushing the boundaries of beauty further than ever before. Let's start with the overarching technological context at play. The main driver of this trend has been accessibility, meaning we now have apps that make it easier than ever to alter our own appearance, a digital skill set that at one point was only available through complicated professional software. Manipulating images, especially in the media, is nothing new, but for the longest time, the technology that you needed to do so was reserved for professionals, and accessing photo editing features on the fly wasn't easy. Even in industries where we knew it was happening, it was like a dark art that was spoken about in hushed whispers. People would deny doing it. And when we found out that the photos had been altered, there would be this big outrage. Back in 2015, Kate Winslet stipulated in her contract with L'Oreal that she never be photoshopped. In 2016, Rumor Willis, daughter of Demi Moore and Bruce Willis, called out photographers for photoshopping her jaw to look smaller than it was. Rumor called it a form of bullying because she said, in essence, you're taking someone's face and implying there's something wrong with it, which is a really interesting take that we'll dive into a little bit later. The issue of photoshopping has even made it into the legal sphere, with Israel being the first country to pass a law requiring companies to add a disclaimer if a photo being used for commercial purposes was photoshopped back in 2012, and France introduced a similar law in 2017. While technology was democratizing access to beauty editing tools, a different social norm was emerging online, 
One where editing your face was not only openly accepted, but actively encouraged. And then we go into reshape because I don't naturally look like I do on my Instagram. I'm not gonna lie, it's all Facetune. I feel like Facetune is fine as long as you admit to using Facetune. I hate it when people are like, no, this is all natural. What's editing? I've never done it in my life. And then you can literally see the freaking railing go like that. Like sometimes I'm not gonna lie, in my photos you can see a railing go like that or a doorframe go like that. The level of retouching happening in the personal online sphere is still relatively new and behaviors are still evolving. But here's one thing that's changed. It's no longer a faux pas to admit to editing your photos. Now, alongside tutorials on how to get the perfect smoky eye or contour, we have tutorials on how to use photo editing software to smooth out our skin, whiten our teeth, and lengthen our torsos. In China, where these apps have been around for far longer, we've seen the rise of specific cultural values emerge around the use of face filters and photo editing software. One of the most popular apps in China is Meitu, which means beautiful picture. It's a photo editing app that has been installed on over 1 billion phones. Meitu has become a verb, as in, can you Meitu that picture? There's even a new term for a face that has been overly edited by these types of apps, and that term is Wang Honglian, which means internet celebrity face. Now, let's think about some of the social trends that we're seeing. In China, it's considered rude not to edit a photo of your friend before posting it. Meitu's chairman, Kai Wancheng, explained this by saying the following, quote, Selfies are part of Chinese culture now, and so is Meitu editing selfies. In the same way you would point out to your friend if her shirt was misbuttoned or her pants were unzipped, you should have the decency to Meitu her face if you're going to share it with your friends. So here's a question then. If you take a group photo, what is the proper etiquette? Do you edit just yourself? Do you edit your friends? If you edit them, what if you tweak something that they didn't consider to be a problem? Or worse, what if you edit something that they're overly sensitive about? How does that work? Taking edited selfies has become such a part of daily life that there are phones on the market in China that are sold with specific selfie features like advanced cameras, increasingly powerful lighting, and even facial recognition software that can automatically tweak your face that's embedded right into the operating system of the phone. In North America, we've seen the rise of phone cases that act as selfie lighting, making sure that you're always perfectly lit for every shot. So you can see how our behaviors of wanting to take selfies and editing those selfies have expanded beyond simply using an app and has created both social etiquettes and social behaviors, as well as new products and services that respond to this emerging consumer need. Why don't you have any scrunchies? Here, you can take one of mine. There you go. Is that a plastic straw? <laughs> Ew. Here, you can take one of my metal straws. Here you go. I carry them around everywhere with me. <laughs> Save the turtles. In September of 2019, the term Visco Girl started to gain mainstream awareness. It's a term that originated on TikTok and is used to describe a subculture of usually white, middle-class teenage girls. Before we dive into the nuances of being a Visco girl, I want to take a second to focus on the name. Visco is a photo editing app. So while this isn't the first time that a subculture has been associated with a digital platform, Tumblr girls, for example, have been around since 2013 and were the precursors for early influencer culture that then migrated onto Instagram, it is the first time that a non-social network app is applied as a descriptor for a subculture, especially an app that is used specifically for editing photos. Most interestingly, the entire aesthetic of Visco Girls are 
associated with this photo editing app. This is another cultural signal about the importance of photo editing in a broader cultural context because while I'm not surprised that various social media platforms have their own subcultures, I did find it fascinating that a photo editing app would spawn a little online culture of its own with its own look and feel, enough to be labeled by other online communities and enough to be recognized by the mainstream media. If you want a good reference point to what a visco girl is, look no further than YouTube it girl Emma Chamberlain, who embodies a style that goes counter to a lot of the hyper-glam makeup looks that we've grown used to seeing from beauty bloggers and makeup influencers. And that in itself is also something interesting to note, because despite the fact that you have two groups that exist, let's just say on the opposite ends of the glam spectrum, right? People that really go for three hour time to get ready with makeup, full glam look, and people that embody or that choose to not spend that much time would prefer to look like they just rolled out of bed, that both of these communities use photo editing apps to achieve their desired look, once again, making the use of these apps and digital tools as a bridge that underlines the digital communities that look and behave quite differently across other metrics. What I'm saying is, is that no matter who you are or what community you associate with, there's a very high likelihood that if you have a phone and if you take pictures of yourself, that you are using some type of app to edit and change the look of that photo. sure you know which snapchat filter i'm talking about it's the pretty one that makes you look pretty any time of the day even if you wake up in the morning and you look not your best that snapchat filter will always make you look so nice and so bronzed it will make your skin look so flawless we can't talk about photo editing without mentioning face filters that do everything from giving us animal ears to adding a full face of makeup with a click of a button in some ways, I think these filters can be worse because while we can control what happens to our face in minute detail using an app like Facetune, sometimes an Instagram or Snapchat filter just applies an effect that you might not have even wanted in the first place. Take the Snapchat flower crown from a few years ago that was just supposed to add a cute flower accessory to your face, but instead also took the liberty of lightening your skin tone and making your cheekbones more pronounced. It also made your eyes bigger and a number of other subtle changes that people didn't necessarily ask for. This is an example of how filters can be problematic because it's the technology or the people creating the technology that are taking beauty standards and then programming them into algorithms that get pushed out onto people's faces. So who gets to decide what is beautiful? And sometimes it goes in the other direction too, meaning that it's the users who take a completely random filter and assign it a certain set of values that then get interpreted by the broader community in a way that was never intended by the people who created the tech in the first place. So take the puppy dog filter on Snapchat. And I can hear you asking, how could a dog filter possibly have moral implications? Well, when it came out, some people were offended by the apparent promiscuity of the animated tongue, which people found to be overly sexualized. Then, some random Twitter user uploaded a video saying that women couldn't use the dog filter because dogs were loyal creatures and women were, get this, incapable of being loyal. Clearly someone with a lot of baggage, but okay. And then that snowballed into a conversation where somebody called it the Ho filter and suddenly any women who used this filter became accused of self-signaling as hoes. The point is, this animal filter was being interpreted as a reflection of sexuality that was loaded with all sorts of moral implications. 
We often see these types of values being imposed on technologies as a reflection of societal norms, often exposing misogynistic or sexist beliefs around women and their sexuality. And this is the delicate balance that women have faced for years, right? Use makeup to look good, but not too much makeup so that we can tell you're using makeup because we want a natural beauty, but if you can't look natural without makeup, then we'll call you ugly because we have beauty standards that you can never live up to. So we start to see the broader ecosystem that have created the need for photo editing apps in the first place. They didn't appear out of nowhere. They appeared as an extension of this narrative that women have been fed for decades. It's a larger narrative, and it's one that constantly forces ever-changing beauty standards on people and then shames them for never being able to attain them. And what's really wild is that before it was about having a certain fashion style or, or participating in a makeup trend like contouring, for example. But now we're asking people to change their legitimate facial features. And we can do this with technology. We can superimpose new features digitally on our own faces. I can make my eyes instantly bigger, my lips fuller, my torso longer. We can manipulate our own images. So is it any wonder that young people are flocking to cosmetic surgeons asking to look more like their digital selfies? There's even been a new term that has been coined to describe this phenomenon and it's called Snapchat dysmorphia. It's really sad and heartbreaking to see people that are so dissatisfied with who they are and how they look. And it's complicated, right? Even think about something that should be a fun digital tool, like a joke filter that makes your nose bigger or your face larger. There are joke filters that exaggerate certain features and suddenly you have bigger lips or a double chin. But these changes, unlike the other changes, these changes are packaged as a joke, as something that you laugh at and something to be ridiculed. So if you happen to have any of those features, then what is the message that is being sent here? Since its debut in 2017, Facetune has regularly been one of the most popularly ranked apps in over 69 countries, including the US. This tells us that these pressures are being faced by populations all over the world. Look, I'm a firm believer that you should feel free to do whatever you want to feel good, and that if wearing makeup makes you happy and confident, then more power to you. I just believe that we have to be aware of the fine line between feeling good and feeling confident and participating in a culture that is always subtly telling us that we have to look a certain way to be considered beautiful. We are seeing makeup philosophies and by extension, the technology change from working with what you have, oh, like let's use a little bit of concealer to smooth out some of our skin, to completely changing the way that our noses look, the way that our waist looks, the way that our boobs look. And I see this all of the time. Living in France, I feel like the French have a far more laid back approach to makeup that tends to be more forgiving of perceived imperfections versus sometimes I go on Instagram and like every influencer is starting to look the same. Pop Sugar contributor Lauren Levinson coined the term Botox Instagram face, and we all instantly know what she's talking about, that flat, matte complexion that is so common on influencer accounts. So we're starting to see the convergence of one type of aesthetic style that's becoming the dominant digital beauty standard. And it's a standard that puts pressure on us not just to upload flawless selfies, but to change our own faces in order to conform with what society and social networks and algorithms are telling us is beautiful. For you to just call all girls Holos because they use a 
fucking filter on Snapchat. It just will see a fun, cute filter. And then fucking go and you ruin it. And then you make girls second guess themselves. Like, oh, I can't use that filter because it'll make me a whore. Like, can girls just live? Can we just live? Can we please just like go on with life without being labeled a whore or a slut for like one day? And I'd be great. I'd be so fucking happy. In 1996, David Foster Wallace wrote Infinite Jest, and in this book, he talked about a dystopian society where the creation of video phones made people so self-conscious that they started using imaging technology that let them use real-time filters to take calls. 23 years later, in 2019, a Chinese live streamer was ridiculed and shamed because her face filtering technology failed while she was live casting, revealing that she wasn't this young, perfect, sculpted girl, but a normal looking middle aged woman. And we as a society have the audacity to be surprised and outraged, saying that she had fooled us instead of recognizing the immense pressure that everyone is under to adhere to a specific standard that is becoming nearly impossible to achieve. So a couple of thoughts as we navigate this new strange reality. Digitally altered images present a couple of problems. It's creating a new normal for one thing. We're entering into this realm where you can change your appearance beyond anything that makeup or surgery could do. So is this new normal faces that aren't even human anymore? We're also dealing with the ability to tap into manifesting our desires or what we wish we could look like in a very tangible way. We've all wished something about our faces was different. And before, without Photoshop or surgery, all we could do was dream or better yet, maybe even grow to accept ourselves for our uniqueness and our beauty. But now we can project that image, that idealized version of ourselves out into the world. So you get so addicted to the fantasy of how good you can be. Is that healthy for self-esteem and confidence? Is that the right way forward to feeling good in your own skin? And just like with makeup, we're expected to edit our photos, but never enough to make it super obvious. And we still shame people who over Facetune. There are entire online communities devoted to mocking these types of fails, where we hold up pictures of people that have, quote, gone too far without ever taking into account the cultural pressure that we put on ourselves in this hyper-curated, staged social media ecosystem to look a certain way. Have technology companies just taken off where beauty companies have left off in creating and selling us products that are always based on the idea that who we are right now and how we look is never enough, is never right, that we could always be better? Now, in addition to all those beauty products, we have to also use and download certain apps and filters in an effort to look our best. And to bring it full circle, Revlon has a line of foundations called the Photo Ready Insta Filter. So now we're using makeup to mimic the filter. All these tools have allowed us to project a sense of our own reality out into the world. A reality where we can look like anyone or anything we want, except it seems like ourselves. That's it for this week's episode of The Digital Deep. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to share and review. And of course, join the conversation over at thedigitaldeep.com.